You're listening to sermon audio from Providence Baptist Church. Be sure to check out pbcfrankfurt.org for more information. As soon as Steve started started talking about this uh, stories series, I've been super, super excited because I've heard all of these stories through most of my life and, um, you know, just different biblical stories and uh, and they're so good, but then like as as I've grown and as as I've gotten in the word and read and uh, and been ministered to and and really studied like there's so much more to all of these stories than just you know what we get in in you know the Sunday school stories that we hear when we're real little and um you know even even I think a lot of times um when we're listening to people preach uh and and teach on these things like we we just miss a we miss a lot um And the story that has been on my heart is not exactly what, like when Steve mentioned, you know, like, you know, think of a story that you want to preach on because this, you know, this Sunday you're, you're, you're on deck. Um, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was Jonah because that's a fun one, but, and there's a whole lot there. Um, you know, we, we think of that as a story with a happy ending, but we all kind of miss the fact that even at the end, Jonah never really learned anything from it, and he's still bitter, and, but God's will is still done, um, regardless of, of how Jonah's heart was. Um, but what God has led me to this morning is actually the tabernacle instructions, which is not exactly the most fun portion of Scripture. Um, and it's a story that, like, I always enjoyed as a kid because, like, you know, tabernacle time in, in Sunday school was I get to build a, a popsicle temple or, you know, or, you know, color the temple or, or, you know. So that was always fun. But, like, the story that or the, the lesson that we always kind of take away from that is God gives us instructions, but there's so, so, so very much more to that than just that, than just popsicle sticks and, and God gives us instruction. Of course he does, but he gives us so much more than just instructions. Um, and so if I, like as I'm like preaching this morning, I may indirectly quote a couple of people and I don't like I haven't written down any quotes but there's a good chance that I might quote um, a couple guys from uh, an organization called the Bible Project uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins so um, if you've never heard of the Bible Project it's a really cool free resource but um, Tim Mackey is a doctorate in Hebrew studies, and uh, and and basically what they do is they um, they teach us how to read and understand the Bible, how to see themes and patterns, symbols that were carefully crafted into Scripture entirely, and and how through those themes and symbols, God through the biblical authors points everything to one thing, which is Jesus. And um, in the tabernacle instructions, it's not, it's not one of those cut and dry things. Like we start reading and we're like, man, this is really, really dry. I really hope I make it through this. But there are so many 
correlations from that to other parts in Scripture. So there's seven speeches when Moses goes up to meet with God. God speaks to Moses in seven individual speeches, right? And each of those speeches uh, starts with this line, then God said to Moses. Um, okay, and then the first one, God kind he gives uh, Moses specific instructions on the structure of the temple. He goes into uh, talking about uh, the, the golden lampstand, the menorah, and um, and then as he moves on, I mean, by, by the last speech, he talks about the Sabbath, right? And so we've got seven times that God speaks, right? And each of these, in some way, connects us back to the creation, right? So, and, and then we look back at Genesis 1 and 2, and, and what is God's point, like that creation is his, and he is involved in creation in every way. And, um, and then we look in chapter 2 of the Bible where God kind of gives this account of creation where he places this garden and then he places man in the garden where they're with God. Okay, And then they might have wanted to kind of do things their own way, were led astray, but then God brings us back here to kind of like this same laying out, this same foundation and his whole purpose is that he wants to be with us. And so, uh, if you've got your Bible, um, our key scripture is in Exodus chapter 25, uh, verses 1 through 9. So this is the first speech. Uh, and I'm not going to do the whole thing because this is the longest one and the one that gets a really, really dry. And I don't want to put any of you guys to sleep. Um, so the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart, mo uh, whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive for them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, uh, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. And let them make a sanctuary, and this is like so key to this story right here, this, these last two verses uh, that I'm going to read to you uh, from this scripture. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle, and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So at the very beginning, God gives his, his purpose, his plan, why he's giving these instructions to Moses. Right? We, we a lot of times look at this and we're like, okay, so because they were fallen, they have to follow this very strict and specific way to receive atonement for their sins, right? And that's what all of this is about. But it's about so much more, and God literally says right here at the very beginning of, the, of his speeches, make me a dwelling that I might be with my people.
And so when we look, when we look at the temple design, how it's structured, and um, I really encourage all of you to get some coffee, tough it out, and read through all of that, and, and look back, um, look, look at some of the highlights. A lot of our Bibles will give us little notes. There's notes that the, uh, the translators put in the bottom that kind of help us reference back to different points in Scripture where there are some similarities or even what some other um, theologians have studied and found um, that help us understand the, the symbols and the correlations that, that are happening here. But um, So, in chapter 2, God is taught, well, we, the author is writing about this land, and then in the center of that land is the Garden of Eden, and in the center of the Garden of Eden is the Tree of Life, right? And so we look at the tabernacle as it's laid out, and we have this outer court, this port part, this area where everybody can come, and we've got this inner court that is just for the priests, and then beyond that is the Holy of Holies, where God dwells, the Spirit of God dwells, right? And so even, even in its design, it kind of shows us like that God's plan is, I want to be with my people. You know, even down to the, the cherubim, right? So when man fell and was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it was the cherubim that God placed there uh, to protect it, right? And so we see in the, the design of the tabernacle that God has them place cherubim around um, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the mercy seat, the, the throne of God that, you know, it's basically described as a throne uh, for God. Um, so... But this was all just a temporary solution, right? So all of the, the prophets, um, they know that this is just a temporary temple, that God has a better plan, a, a bigger plan, and a bigger purpose. It all really points to Jesus. Um, and it points to what Jesus said, what he taught, what he lived, and, uh, and what he's called us to live. So in John uh, chapter 2, 19 through 22, we see uh, Jesus talking about him being the temple, calling himself the temple, and, and that he represents that. So Jesus, uh, so the Jews said to him, what sign uh, do you show us for these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you were going to raise it in three days? But the temple uh, he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. And then also, like they mentioned in the video, Jesus did promise the Holy Spirit, right? That, that he would dwell in his people. Um, and this is, a, this is a long passage here. But John chapter 14, 15 through 26. Jesus says, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not live me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I don't know why it took me so long to to really capture this image and understand it. I mean, I remember hearing about the temple, you know, like I said, popsicle sticks, drawing in, in Sunday school, learning about the tabernacle, the way that it's laid out, the design, and then you know, at some point when I was in high school, I heard this song, um, and uh, it's such a good song, um, but the lyrics literally say, take me past the outer courts, into the holy place, past the brazen altar, Lord, I want to see your face, pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and it's only found one place, take me into the holy of holies, take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take the coal, touch my lips, here I am. And I mean, it, it, it made sense to me then that the whole purpose of that, the point is that Jesus wants to be with us, that we, he's, he's made a way, he's created a way for us to be reunited with the Father, that the whole purpose of everything that we do is about God's love and us loving God's creation and his people and to share that truth, that gospel with everyone that we know through our actions, through our words, through everything that we do. And that this church, this body of believers, that that's our purpose. That is our calling. Um, and I looked and I, like, I, like this thought has crossed my mind before and I've looked and I've looked and researched. But I can't find anything that necessarily says that the modern design of our churches was you know, specific in this, but like when you look at the way that almost every church that you walk into, every church building that you walk into, we have this porch outside, right? And then we have this foyer and then we have this room with the pews and then we have this altar and it kind of really reminds me of this design, um, and I think a lot of times we place so much um, value on this building, uh, but what it represents is so much more. It's, it's so much more than just this design, but it's this place where we come together and we join in fellowship with God. We worship together. There's one thing that's missing, and that's the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies because we, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain, that veil was torn and there was no longer separation between God and his people. But we all have 
that ability to commune with God. Every Sunday morning we send up offerings of praise and worship. We give of what God has given us. And I just hope, I hope and I pray that none of us would miss that, that that's what we're here for. We're here to fellowship with one another through the spirit of God, through the spirit of love, through the spirit of truth. That every word that we read in scripture is inspired by God. Every instruction he gives us is so much more than just words on a page. But it's instruction for how we should live and why we should live that way. It's not just rules that we follow just to follow, but there's a purpose behind it. Thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts, questions, or prayer concerns, please email us at pvcfrankfurt at gmail.com.